He ran. Never saw a thing as beautiful as that old dog running. Until at last he finally caught it. And to the horror of everyone, he killed that little cat. Tore it to pieces. Then he just sat there, confused. That dog had spent its whole life trying to catch that thing. Now it had no idea what to do. You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. Welcome back to the Coffee Clutch Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino, and today we're reviewing episode five, Contrapasso, directed by Johnny Campbell, written by Lisa Joy and Dominic Mitchell. So I wasn't familiar with these people. I found out Johnny Campbell is a British director who did the movie Alien Autopsy, and Jason, he's actually done a couple episodes of Doctor Who. Yay, yay. And Dominic Mitchell is an English screenwriter who did In the Flesh, a BBC series. IMDb gave this episode a 9.4. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 89%. What were your thoughts overall? I liked the episode. I I think they're progressively getting better. There's more questions, yes, but they're also answering some. They're also tipping the hat a little bit, and they're giving us a lot of action. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else we could ask for. I had a little bit of mixed feelings. I definitely really liked the episode. I'm still very excited about this series. However, I got that feeling you get when you're a podcaster and it starts to get overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you have to just stop every five seconds to take notes. We did pause a lot, yes. And I feel like they are bringing up all these new questions, but they're not starting to resolve any of the old ones. I think that's what's leading to such wild speculation and theories. That's what's fun. That's true. Vulture.com gave us nine questions for this episode. Hopefully we can try to explore some of them. Has Lawrence always been a Lazo? Is Logan dead or really hurt? Can he be really hurt? This is the first time we saw a guest come close to being... Yeah, I mean, he was dragged off, beaten. He did have a smile once William decided to leave. He had a little smirk, so I think he was happy that William finally stuck up for himself. Um, yeah, that's but what I, he's, he's not dead. Into. No, I think he'll be captured, and then something will happen within the storyline that gets him out. I was a little nervous when I saw him being choked earlier. Yeah, when William had to save me. him because yeah. that looked like they were taking it pretty far. But then again, he did tell us: the further outside you get, the crazier these storylines become. It's like a harder level, right? So yeah. I think that's all just part of it. The big one is: is this a linear timeline? And yeah. People, fans, podcasts are having a field day with this one. I know that a lot of people are having difficulty figuring out how to approach talking about this show. They're either against the theorizing or they go pretty far into the theorizing, you know, trying to plant flags and work things to make their theory work 
it's hard to know the right way to approach it. So I think we're just going to keep doing what we always do, which is to talk about everything. We'll give our thoughts on it, but stay open to where this could go. And the timeline is one of those. I could see it being multiple timelines. I know that's been a favorite. We've talked about that, that William is the man in black. Yes. And possibly you're seeing William and Logan in the past and the man in black in the future. There's obviously things to support that, especially in this episode, but a lot that possibly discredits it. I just feel like we still don't know enough. No, we definitely don't. And we have our theories that we like, but I like the fact that we discuss other theories. Mm -hmm. After all, with a coffee clatch crew. So if we're in a coffee shop and we were with a bunch of friends, Mm -hmm. everyone would have their own theory. Everyone would weigh in on whatever you're speaking about, government, whatever. Sure. Uh, Normally we do have more podcasters with us yeah. <laughs> but as as we've gotten more timeline base uh it's not just on the weekends where we can have friends over so it's only two of us clatching yeah. quote unquote so <laughs> it's two of us in the internet and we're staying open to what other people think or theorize at the same time you know we can say we don't really believe this one but we believe this one more, or we have our own. And I think that's what people enjoy listening to. Seems to be. And speaking of which, we got an excellent email from Oren, one of our clatchers, who gave us a whole lot to think about by way of theories. We'll mm. talk about that later on. You definitely want to stay tuned for that. We're going to bring in Greek mythology, and I haven't heard anybody talk too deep about that yet. Yet. But uh, as we've seen, I won't get too into it, our listeners are so awesome that we're getting more and more yeah. And we're starting to get heard from other casters, and it seems like some are starting to copy us, which is fine. Yeah, but that, I've heard that from other podcasts, too, mm-hmm. that they have those feelings about their competition. Mm-hmm. There's so much floating around, and I think as crazy as these theories get, there is a finite amount of things to talk about when it comes to a show. It's an hour episode, so people are going to have the same things, but I'm, I'm speaking of structure. Yeah. But that's all we'll talk about. (laughs) Getting back to the questions, what does Dr. Ford have in store for Dolores? How bad is the, quote, game of war? What is Maeve's relationship to Felix? Did the man in black just meet the younger Ford, meaning the little boy? Because we still don't really know who he is. And who's smuggling data out of Westworld and why? Going over to our title for a minute, we talked about Contrapasso when we reviewed all of the episode titles. Just as a refresher, this does refer to Dante's Inferno and Hell's punishment for souls, either by the sin they have committed or with its opposite. We talked about that theory. Who is going to reap the consequences of what's going on here at Westworld? Is it going to be the guests that perpetrate these quote-unquote sins against the host? Is it going to be the creators, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards? Or is it just going to be Ford? (laughs) Yeah, and is Ford really the ultimate creator? Because there was a little bit of disparity in this episode. Oh, definitely. We're getting to know more and more about this Arnold character. They presented him as the ultimate creator, or at least the man in black did, and almost made it seem as though Dr. Ford was a byproduct of him. And we'll talk about all of that and more later. We're going to try not to jump into any... Material from the upcoming, the previews of the future episode, we got a request for that. We'll give you the spoiler alert when we get to the end. You have two music notes. One is Claire de Lune by Robin Alciator. 
I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Number two is something I can never have by Nine Inch Nails. On to the fun facts. Actually, this is pretty much listener heavy. Okay. We had so many write-ins on Twitter and via email and even our website. Mm. I won't get into all of them now. I'll save most of them for Clatcher's comments towards the end of the episode. So, on our Twitter at one city to one, one theory confirmed last night: the Man in Black had carte blanche in Westworld because he helped Ford 30 years ago with the malfunction. And we did see that when he spoke to Dr. Ford, and he said that Arnold almost took it down with him, but didn't succeed thanks to him. So he did something to help Dr. Ford, or at least help the Westworld. Yeah, I missed that until you brought up the wording of his quote there. We had theorized originally that the man in black was part of whatever disaster happened 30 years ago. The question was, what part did he play? And I think our opinion was always that he wasn't as bad as he seemed. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really tell us a lot. You know, was he just there when it happened and he stepped in? Did he step in to help the guests or the hosts themselves? You can't tell by the character he is right now. And, And like we said last episode, I don't believe this is his character as a person. I think he's on a mission, at least this time that he's visited. And, um... We don't know what frame of mind or what game, quote-unquote, he was playing at that time. Yeah, I thought that was interesting when he was talking to Lawrence, and he said, nobody would talk to me like that. Nobody takes that tone, at least not now, maybe in a prior life. Right. As though he used to be a pushover, and I think it's statements like those that support people's theories that think it's William, and I was really against that, but you could definitely see it there. And I'm on board with that theory that it's, it's most likely William. But also, One City to One wrote to us and said, My blockbuster, Westworld Theory, Logan, not William, is the man in black. Reasons being, A, has a black hat, B, hates Dolores, C, corporate big shot, and he goes on to say, William helps Dolores in trying to take down Park. Logan stops them. 30 years later, he's man in black VIP. It, it kind of makes sense, but the black hat, you know, you can always get a new hat. Um, this might not be what he wears all the time. This might be like the frame of mind he's in now, like I said earlier. Or, he, you know, he's no longer um, the pushover, so he puts on... Yeah, it seems like something transformative is happening in the scenes between William and Logan. Logan mm-hmm. is trying to push William to figure out who he is it feels like William has been a pushover his whole life. Mm-hmm. People choose him because he's easy. They think they can walk all over him, maybe including his wife-to-be. He was happy just to get this position that he worked so hard for within the company. Right. You can see how he might decide to step up, and the things he experiences here are going to change him. So I don't think it's going to wind up in the same place as it is now. And that's why it's hard to make comparisons. But also, like we said, does the black hat make the man in black bad? I don't really think so. Um, Does he hate Dolores? I don't really think that either. He's doing something with her to accomplish this goal of finding a deeper level of the maze. And we know that he doesn't view them as people. He's been there long enough. He's seen them die and come to life so many times, 30 years, that, you know, he doesn't have that human instinct that I'm hurting someone. Maybe. I'm still not so sure of that. I still think part of it could be that he's found out what they're doing to them and he has pity. 
he made some comments this episode about they used to be perfect mm-hmm. when they were pure machinery. Now that they're making them flesh and blood, they're sad messes like the rest of us, indicating that he does maybe see some level of humanity there. Oh, he definitely does. But I'm, I'm saying he knows that he can just kill him and they'll be brought back to life. Mm. Hates Dolores. Uh, maybe he doesn't, but let's say he does. I think another reason, another theory for why he would hate Dolores now being William, Mm -hmm. even though he kind of loves her right now, is if Dolores, if this is two timelines Mm -hmm. and we're looking at before where William is young, Mm -hmm. we know Dolores is on a mission right now Mm -hmm. and she's kind of using him. um, And also, you know, so she has to go find Arnold and obviously she's going to do something to mess up the game. Right. So maybe she ends up stabbing him in the back or needs to. In that storyline. Who knows? And but. even if it's not two timelines, we have been noticing she might not quite be as awake as we thought she was. She is questioning. She is gaining some level of sentience. But who knows how many times this has happened before. Right. Where they've gotten close to that. She does still seem to be being led and whispered to. Now, is that somebody, is it the voice in her head that she's interpreting as an outside voice? You can't really know that yet. However, she still is kind of following certain patterns. If William realizes eventually that he can never really love her, she's not really a person. He wants to have her, but that's not going to work. There's a lot of ways that can Mm -hmm. go, I think. Dr. Ford even told Dolores, like he did tell you to help her, help him destroy the place mm-hmm. in the past. So that could have been the past. I'm not ready to say that it's not a diff- different timelines, if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I, I don't know that I'm ready to say that it is. I definitely understand, don't get me wrong, that this is not completely linear. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, we are having flashbacks, flash forwards. We're looking a little bit into the future, a little bit into the past. I'm just wondering how hardcore does that go? Right. Does it go to the level of there are characters you're seeing unseen? Man in Black is William in the past. Does it go that far, or are we just looking forward and back in time a right. bit? So, and we will have a question brought up by a listener during the Clasher's comment section that kind of brings that up again. Also on Twitter, at Orin Shai writes, Episode 5 was amazing. My theory is that Arnold uploaded himself into Dolores. By the way, what a badass. You know, I love these theories. I'm not completely on board with that. I don't think he uploaded himself to her. Um, I think he has access to her where he can speak to her. Are we on board right now that that's Arnold's voice that speaks to her? I believe so. We know that there's many different voices. We've heard Bernard speak to her. Mm -hmm. We know that in the scene where she's in Pariah this episode, she gets put out under the command of Dr. Ford. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it sounds like a female voice. It's very confusing, and I think they're doing that intentionally. But Dr. Ford does tell us there are traces of Arnold still there. Underneath all her code, all her programming, that voice that he put into her will never go away. We don't know how deep that goes. I do like the idea that it might not be as simple as hosts and humans. We had talked about Dr. Ford potentially having some type of components to him that were computerized, synthetic, robotic, whatever you want to call it, but maybe not being full host. 
Amy Liu also said, maybe the MIB Arnold theory is a hybrid. Arnold really did die, but was memorialized as a host with extra features. I could even see some of that being going on with Dr. Ford. Mm -hmm. It seems like I was very opposed to him being full host, and I still am. But there could be more going on here because we see the man in black saying, I'd like to cut you open and see what's going on inside. No, I think that was trying to push you on a wrong track. It was a bit of a red herring, but I I like the mixture of things that's going on here. I like any of the theories that fall more in the gray spectrum because they're more interesting. Here's a little fun thing I wanted to read on vulture.com again. What's up with all the cat stuff? Yeah, I saw that The episode opened with Dr. Ford boring... Old Bill to tears with some humdinger of a story about his boyhood greyhound seizing on a neighborhood cat and coming up for air bewildered. And later, our odd couple lab techs play a central role in the pair of important scenes. And it just so happens their names are Felix and Sylvester. And Sylvester. <laughs> yeah. Given all the reasons to muse about the character's potentially myriad incarnations mm. and planes of being, all the cat references could be another way of subtly seeding the notion of multiple lives. Or perhaps it's got more to do with Felix and Sylvester being a cartoonish comic relief. Or I was thinking a game of cat and mouse. I mean, this whole story that he tells Bill is about the greyhound who spends his entire life running in circles. Right. Or it could be about buses. (laughs) 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 Well, we're talking about old Bill. So without further ado, let's get into our overview. We start out with Dr. Ford talking to the old host again, telling him the story of this childhood, the greyhound we spoke about. The dad warned him how fast it was, and one day it was let off the leash at the park and it killed a cat, mistaking it for that rabbit plush thing we talked about. He says that dog had spent its whole life trying to catch that thing. Now it had no idea what to do. Also, he never saw a thing that beautiful as that old dog running. He's just waxing poetic like he always does. I don't know, because people talked about that and him being nostalgic and he prefers the old host. That's why he's here visiting with Bill again. I'm starting to think he does not. I'm starting to think he's afraid of the old hosts. He knows that they are allegiant allegiant to Arnold still. Yes. And that's why he's talking to Dolores later, telling her we are not friends. He's trying to figure out how much is left in there and what's still going on with them. I don't know. He's searching. And I think the metaphor behind his story is very important if we can figure out who it's about. Is it about him? Is he talking about Arnold, who spent his life chasing after this idea of creating sentient beings? It could easily be about him, too. We see here he had trouble with his father growing up and created a whole world so he could run away and create his own rules, essentially. Could it be about the hosts? If they do chase this dream that's mm-hmm. all of a sudden embedded, what would be left after they get out of Westworld? Yeah, Another want- world with questions <laughs> that don't mean shit. You want that choice, but once they became free, what would they do? Would they be exactly. able to live in the world? Very interesting, and that leads us to our next scene, where Arnold's voice beckons to Dolores, Find me, as she stands on the outskirts of Pariah with William and Logan. And she answers, Show me how. Logan tells William the depraved Pariah is different than the rest of the park, full of thieves, outcasts, delinquents. We get information on Discover Westworld about Pariah that we'll go into later. But also, I was chatting with Aiden, trying <laughs> to figure out some answers to new questions. You were super giddy questions. in the background when you were doing it. I guess I wasn't trying hard enough the first time because I didn't get this far. 
he never gives you any real truths. He'll let you know when you're on to something close and say, oh, I wish I could answer that, unfortunately, and try to redirect you. He did tell me about Pariah being the gateway to ultimate danger and sin. The delicious orgy of decadence that awaits you is beyond any indulgence you've ever experienced. Delicious orgy. Yeah. I haven't heard those two words together. <laughs> Delicious orgy. And travelers beware, there is no law in Pariah. And it's filled with soldiers, so war is the perpetual state of things. And we will get a better look at that momentarily. Logan also reveals his corporation's interest in buying the park. That was more information than we gotten so far oh, about yeah. what's going on with their business. He breaks down that they're hemorrhaging money. He sees opportunity in this. Yeah. Also gives us historical context on the park, saying this place was all started as a partnership, and right before the park opened, one of the partners killed himself. It's a complete mystery, not even a picture of him. <laughs> but of course, we think we have seen a picture. This is where some of the things are such a great mystery in Westworld. They've done a really good job of giving you a lot of clues and then throwing you off track so you don't know what's happening. But other things they seem to really be beating you over the head with, like the idea of the maze, which started out as such a cool puzzle you had to figure out. Right. And now there's mazes everywhere in this episode. Yeah, wooden boxes everywhere. And I'm not sure <laughs> if, if there's something more to that maybe that we're missing. And it's not just as obvious as, yes, there's a maze, there's a there's maze. There's definitely got to be something more to that. I still don't think it's a physical maze. But this was a little bit on the nose here, too. So yeah. much talk about Arnold in this episode. We went Whoa. from... Zero to 100. Nothing to... I maybe would have liked to wonder a bit more about him. While we're talking about the maze, I wanted to ask you. The, when we look at the maze, there's a man in the middle. Is that before... We knew about Arnold. I was thinking maybe that's a signal of freedom. Mm-hmm. Because um, the man kind of looks like when they were created with yeah. his arms out. The Ooh. Vitruvian man. Yeah. What if that's Arnold? Yeah, I've thought about that. I asked Aiden about Arnold. <laughs> oh, nice. What did <laughs> he, he say? He said, not much is known about him. There's a closely guarded rumor that he partnered with Dr. Ford years ago in the early days of the park. He and we hosts had a special connection, dot, dot, dot. Why don't Whoa. we talk about something? And then it cuts off to an error message. Whoa. Hell is empty, violent delights. I like that. So read that again, that part. He and we hosts had a special connection, dot, dot, dot. Why don't we talk about something? Whoa. <laughs> I love those. So, yeah, those are the kind of things. I love those snippets of information <laughs> that keep you guessing. There's some code in there that you can't locate. And you can't delete or overwrite. Yeah, and I guess the question is going to be to a lot of these things. Is it a physical maze, number one? Right. So does it involve getting somewhere, finding something, somebody? Is it all just about the programming and attaining their consciousness? And also, how does that equate to Arnold? So is he still downloaded into something, into a host? Is he there in some way? I could even see after this episode, Ford being the ultimate program, he himself. Maybe that's why he has such control over everything in Westworld, because the programming is in him. He can speak codes to other hosts. Right. He can tell the player piano to run a code that speeds Teddy up. I mean, I don't know. He could have all of that inside of him. He heals Teddy. 
I have two more questions on top of that. Mm-hmm. If this is like part of Arnold's code to finally get what his dream was, mm-hmm. why this long? Why did, Why now? Yeah. After so many years. Was it the new code in episode one that woke it up? Mm-hmm. Is somebody instigating it? And that's why we we wondered if that wasn't Arnold in some form because it seems like they are gathering their own set of hosts. People wondered if there's even deliberate war or maliciousness being set upon on behalf of the hosts in this episode because they're filling the dead bodies with the nitroglycerin. So are they sending them back to Mesa Hub to try to actually blow up Whoa. the creators? I mean... At first, I was like, no, it, that seems like there's no way that could be it. I could buy that not everything happening in Pariah is completely on script or narrative. We are further outside of Sweetwater. Maybe right. there's a little bit more freedom to what happens there. But we also saw that image from mm-hmm. Delosink of what happens to the bodies after they're put in the ground, supposedly mm-hmm. buried, and how it takes them back to... Mesa Hub? Right. So if somebody figured that out, that's a clever way of getting to them. Just drop a bomb down there. Correct. My other question is, we know that Dr. Ford has this new narrative. We don't know how deep this, how long in the timelines since this narrative was rolled out. Mm -hmm. It looks like a lot of it is already out there. They already have implants of the main bad guy. All the characters are already... Wyatt playing into the role Mm -hmm. and we see that dr ford knows everything about everybody what if this is part of dr ford's plan and it's been going on for longer than it seems yeah and he knows what's going on and he's kind of perpetuating we said that last episode it could be way more scripted and i agree with you i think that's it's not debunked after this episode it's still a possibility i believe so too and let's not forget about lee we haven't seen him in like four episodes or three episodes. I think that's on purpose. Yeah. There was a lot about Lee in the beginning, about the storyline. Of There's reasons for him to not like Dr. Ford. Yeah, Dr. Ford people are bringing him shits up. in his milk. So He could be plotting something. Yeah. Who's the one on the other end? We'll go into this deeper, but that is in charge of putting that shit in. <laughs> those, those super arms. obvious trackers that nobody noticed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think Lee is the mastermind, though. I, I just don't see him Mm-mm. as being the person to orchestrate this. However, he could be aiding and abetting now if he's got a grudge against Ford. Right. Back on the overview, a rowdy group passes through Pariah, and Logan explains they are the Army of New Virginia, or Confederados, as they'll refer to them. Soldiers who refused to surrender after the war that are now working as mercenaries below the border. He thinks they may be the key to reaching the end of the park and the biggest game. <laughs> he knows that something different... This is where he's been trying to get to when he's telling William about that. They found the Easter egg. It led them here. The narratives that are going on are more raw, more real, as he'll explain to us, and he wants to find a way to take part in that. Then we go over to the man in black, who hoists a near-dead teddy off his horse and leans him against a tree. He tells him there's a path for everyone. Your path leads you back to me. He also asks if he believes in fate and says, the path wasn't for me, it was for him. We see him then slit Lawrence's throat and use the blood to revive Teddy. Yeah, I love that. That whole scene was great. The man in black is speaking to Lawrence saying, you know, I thought 
your path was with me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm realizing your, your path, uh, your path was for Teddy, yeah. not for me. Dumps the water. The, the younger Dr. Ford shows up. Maybe. He yeah. makes him fetch the water. Why are you making him fetch the water? I just got you water. And then you see him dump it, mm-hmm. hang him up, and he's going to use his blood. Like a transfusion. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. Does he have needles? I didn't see it. But <laughs> I think there's a few things to think about. One, we were talking about Dr. Ford knows everything that's going on. Dr. Ford's quote-unquote mini-me, was he there on purpose? To watch him. Yeah. Could be. If so, it seemed like the man in black didn't really know who he was, though, which is curious, given how much he does know about the park. Yeah, he's a child that's in the outskirts. I bet the man in black doesn't pay attention to children mm-hmm. in this storyline. Hmm. Also, the reinforcing of the physicality of the host, which they will get into further in another scene, but he actually appears revived after getting this blood. So that goes back to... Humanistic qualities. There's a lot of that biological functioning that's happening there. I think the man in black, especially these last two episodes, has been the one to divulge the most information to the viewers. Yeah, and in a way, sometimes it does feel like too much exposition. Some of the things Logan says, he's clearly being put in just to give you backstory. Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like that to me with the man in black. Not at all. It's very natural. Might be because Ed Harris is a badass. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of physicality, investigating Maeve's knife wound, the two cat boys you were speaking of, Felix and Sylvester note that the incision was contained, almost like they were looking for something. How in the heck do these two people that they're proposing to be not the smartest guys ever come to that conclusion that the hosts were actually looking for something? Why would they be doing that? And also, what is this guy going after? We find out Sylvester goes on the break and Lutz goes to the cabinet where there's a small robot bird he's been keeping. Right. This is jumping forward a little bit, but later he asks him what he's doing with that. And assuming that he's just trying to figure out how to code to prove to the higher-ups that he can be more than this butcher position he's been given. But it felt different to me. It felt like he was trying to use this as a small experiment for how to bring back these creatures that had died already. Right. I don't know what he's intending to do with that, but I think it's going to get into some kind of larger plot, perhaps with Maeve, as we see later. Definitely with Maeve. I think, you know, what they went to show us is that he's trying to get a promotion, but I think what it's essentially setting up is that he's more curious than the other workers. Mm -hmm. He's more apt to go against the rules than the other workers. Like Elsie. And he, if anyone would be able to or would be willing to help Maeve... Mm-hmm. It would be this man. Yeah. He's still a behavior tablet. Yeah. That's pretty risky. Very risky. Knowing that these people have location things and cameras everywhere, they can locate that behavior tablet real quick. Mm-hmm. Find my tablet. <laughs> There's a lot of bouncing back and forth. Now we come back to Teddy after receiving the transfusion. Merciful thing would be to put a bullet in me. Whoever said I was merciful. And it's not my fault you're suffering. You used to be beautiful. When this place started, 
I opened one of you up once. Million little perfect pieces. And then they changed you. Made you this sad, real mess. Flesh and bone, just like us. They said it would improve the park experience. But you know why they really did it? It was cheaper. Your humanity is cost-effective. So is your suffering. The man in black talks to him about how beautiful the host used to be before they became biologically lifelike. That's what we were talking about. He says, you used to be perfect. I opened one of you up once. Used to be a million perfect little pieces. (laughs) Then they went and changed you. Now you're a sad, real mess. They made you flesh and bone just like us. They said it would improve the park experience, but really your humanity and suffering is more cost-effective. Why? Why are they cost-effective? How could it possibly be more cost-effective to... 3D print tissues, real hearts. Organs, blood. Is it easier to repair them this way because they're so often hurt than all that machinery getting damaged? Uh, I still think in the future mechanical is going to be cheaper than uh, whatever you would call this. You would think so, but maybe that affected their programming, which is now kind of all in that skull cap and contained. I don't know. It was a little bit weird. Well, it looks like what they do is they open them up, Take out the bullet, sew it up, and maybe it heals. I don't know. But no, they were healing me before she left. No scar or anything. But also, it seems like the people that did those jobs in livestock management, they maybe don't have to be paid a super lot. They're like right. a cleanup crew because yeah. it is They're physical. Like the janitors. Instead of having to know how to um, fix this. Oh, the intricate. Right. You might be right about that. Here's a theory. Maybe it wasn't about cost effectiveness. Maybe it was about Dr. Ford getting rid of the creations that were made by Arnold mm-hmm. and making his own. Now this is like his own molds. Uh, Which seemed more lifelike, though, and I thought he was trying to get away from that. I think the board wanted more lifelike. He was I could pressured. definitely see that. Them stepping in, these money men he always talks about, taking away what their real visions were. Maybe 3D printing's cheaper in the future. Could <laughs> be. Knows? There's a lot we don't know about this world. We know milk's pretty cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so the man in black also tells Teddy that Dolores is in danger. He needs to use the magic word, as he says, to give him new purpose. That way he can get him along on this quest to go find Wyatt, and it certainly does the trick. I love the makeup on Teddy. Oh, he, he really looks terrible. Yeah. I actually felt bad for him. You were always talking about feeling empathy for Teddy, which mm-hmm. I hadn't yet. But this episode, Poor it Teddy. was just torture. They did so well because what they had to do was it wasn't, you know, we've, we're used to makeup that looks like bruises, that looks mm. like cuts. But this is inner, the body is dying from the inside. A very human appearance yeah. of looking tired around the eyes, loss of blood. blood. Yeah. Circulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. The, the whole connection to the physicality. I don't know why. Both experiencing these things on that level, as well as human suffering and pain, and the man in black talks about this, does make them seem more realistic, more human. When Maeve had to undergo that surgery and was feeling the knife wound in her stomach, Mm. that was the first time I felt connected to a host. So it's definitely doing the trick. I mean, maybe the board was right about that. 
You might be right. Well, Dolores walks with William through Pariah and tells him she wants to change her life. When I ran from home, I told myself it was the only way. Lately, I wondered if in every moment there aren't many paths, choices, hanging in the air like ghosts. And if you could just see them, you could change your whole life. Is that what you want? You want to change your life? Doesn't everybody want that? Yeah, I guess they do. This was another great quote. In every moment, there are many paths, choices hanging in the air like ghosts, and if you could just see them, it could change your whole life. William thinks maybe that's why people come here. There are no rules, no restrictions, and nobody in the real world will know. That was a bad thing to say to her. She caught on real quick. What does that mean? He's been saying things to her. I said this last time, too, that... He explains it a minute later by saying, I thought you weren't supposed to pick up on things like Mm -hmm. that. You know, I thought you were just supposed to dismiss it. So he's learning something's going on with her. He hears her talking to herself later. Yeah, just like you're supposed to dismiss that picture that Peter would not let go of mentally. Right. You know, it's supposed to be like, oh, I don't know. Could be anything. Exactly. I'm still curious about that picture, by the way. Who was in that picture? Yeah, I want to go back to Peter at some point. Well, this is when the parade passes by. We get a look at the town. There's a lot of religious symbols going on. We passed by a graveyard earlier with a lot of markers. And they're having a celebration in the streets. There's a fountain of what seems to be blood. And it appears as though they quite obviously made the parallels to Day of the Dead celebrations. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but it's a Mexican holiday, also celebrated in central, southern regions, which focuses on gathering of family and friends to pray for and remember family members who have died. They go to cemeteries to be with the souls of the departed. They build altars. They put food, beverages, memorials. This is where we see them bringing things for the dead. The intent is to encourage visits for these souls to be able to come back. They think this one day of year, they're able to come back from the other side and be amongst them. Right. And so they see it as a joyous occasion to spend time together. This is where our Halloween eventually came from, I believe, right? Yeah, well, they started to take different months were honored for different things. One mm-hmm. was for children who had passed away, one for adults. Oh, wow. They gave them different names. So we kind of took a part of that and took off with it. But I, I did a little bit of research because I wanted to find out historically yeah. what it was about. And if so we're wrong on that, we're going to get killed. No, I, <laughs> I, I did find out about that. You know, they, they mixed that in with some Catholic traditions, some pagan traditions. Pagan. It's yeah. kind of been mixed. It was gradually associated over time. October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd to coincide with Western Christian All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. Now we don't even get a day off. <laughs> but before that, long before the Spanish arrived in America, the belief in an afterlife was present in Mesoamerica. They know this from information contained in archaeological records, from early colonial manuscripts, and according to the beliefs of these people, life was seen as a dream. Only in dying did a human being truly awake. For them, the distinction between life and death was not so absolute. 
There's an ancient poet, and unfortunately I don't have who it was. This comes from the Nahua people, I think is how you say it, um, in the Valley of Mexico. The poet says, It is not true that we come to live here. We came only to sleep, only to dream. Let us consider things as only lent to us. Only in passing are we here on earth. Tomorrow or the day after, as your heart desires, we shall go home. I kind of like that because we live now in the fear of death. We need to own everything and we need to possess things to be happy. Mm-hmm. That feels a lot more spiritual and freeing if we could really go by that. Like yeah. the, the best part's next. And even the way they view the dead, you know, they can come back this night. They see it as a happy time to be yeah. together. And that's why the people in the streets, sure, the skulls, that has roots in these traditions as well. That took off as its own separate thing. But for the most part, they are bringing plenty and celebration to these people so they can have their time together. But I really thought there has to be some roots in that related to the show, the way they describe it as life being only a dream. And it's only in dying that they truly awaken. So is that some kind of hint to what's happening here? I think so, because Dr. Ford speaks about dreaming. A few people in this episode speak about dreaming Mm -hmm. throughout this episode. I think there's a lot of underlining things and going on. What, but what does it mean for a host to die? You know, because they also brought that up when Ford was talking to Teddy. And he says, a coward dies a thousand deaths, the valiant taste of death but once. We've seen Teddy die a thousand times, but not really. Now he has true purpose, something that he can really fight for. He's right. going to become his hero. And maybe he'll get a valiant death, but will it be more real somehow? Also, I think dreams, and we'll get into this further later, but since we're talking about dreams, I'm starting to think that when a host goes to sleep Mm -hmm. is when the workers, for lack of a better word, can speak to them in those rooms. Mm Mm-hmm. There's different times. There's when they're physically there and they do analysis and they can touch them and Mm -hmm. fix them. But I think the reason why we can see them come in and out so quickly. They remote in. They remote in. Yeah. It looks like they're really there, but you notice they never touch. uh, The humans never touch them. This is a theory I've heard that I really like. Every time I think I'm coming up with my own theory, (laughs) you tell me I've heard this. No, it's not. You're not smart. It's not (laughs) as popular yet, but I really latched onto it when I heard it because, and I wish I could credit the podcast. um, It is another podcast out there that talked about how the support of it is the person that's interviewing them, interacting with them in their normal way. Mm -hmm. So when you see Dr. Ford doing it, Dolores is naked. Because he, that's how he views them. That's what he's comfortable with. But when Bernard interviews them, they're sitting down for a conversation. She's clothed. So uh. absolutely, I really like that. And that could explain some of the weirdness on the timeline thing. Yes. People were assuming, oh, we got to be going back and forth. There's three different timelines. Well, not if this is happening. Yeah, I always thought, how do you sneak them in and out so much? No yeah. one noticing. So if it's through the dreams, through like what you said... Actually, what I said. Um, (laughs) This would make more sense, definitely. Well, and let's not forget, when we think about a lot of these storylines, we're taking into account technology and the way we can perceive it. Mm -hmm. We already know their technology is far advanced from ours, and there could be other things going on that we haven't been privy to yet. 
Also back to the scene with the parade, while Logan ushers William towards the brothel, Dolores is amongst the revelers inside of the parade, and she hears two things whispered to her. The first is from the crowd, who says, Our dead are never dead to us until we have forgotten them. And then Dr. Ford whispers, May you rest in a deep and dreamless slumber, and that's when she passes out. And this is when I started to think, because in my head I was like, how did he? How did she go back there so fast? Mm. And, you know, there it's in the middle of a party. No one's going to drag her off right to Ford's seat. You know. Yeah. So I think yeah, she collapsed and he was able to speak to her. Yeah, because that's when we go to that scene. She wakes in the diagnostic. They're talking about dreams, as you said. Dolores says that they're the mind telling stories to itself. Ford says something really interesting. They are what we could be, who we could become. They mean everything. Dreams. So much exactly. more is happening really there. Really about dreams here. Yeah. And he talks about what if you didn't remain in your loop? What if you had been a bigger part of things? Would you have been the hero or the villain? And do you remember the man I used to be? That was a big tip off to yes. those of us who think he could be linked to Arnold as far as who he actually is. Or he could have just been a very different person back then. We keep saying, I said, what if this is part of Dr. Ford's plan? Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of doesn't make sense because it's kind of destroying himself. Mm-hmm. And we keep saying, well, what if Dr. Ford isn't real? Maybe he's a host, the first host. What if Dr. Ford is the Arnold after his quote-unquote death? Because he was going to get taken down or something, right? Yeah. Dr. Ford now is the one, is Arnold. Right. And he's doing this kind of in secret or something. This is his plan, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to before when I said that he might not be full host. Mm -hmm. He might have a lot of that programming. And by that, I mean whatever was of Arnold mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, it doesn't explain... His feelings towards him, the way he talks about him, there's almost a hostility, a fear of things happening again, but that could just be because we don't know the whole story yet. Yeah, and it could also be him testing the hosts. To figure out what they know. Well, no, he would know what they know because he is Arnold and he's perpetuating all of this. Okay. But he's testing the host to see if anyone else asks them, what would their answers be? Okay. Hmm. I'm going out. I'm going out on a limb here, but no, I I can see they're hinting at something here mm -hmm. with that in this episode for sure. I'm sure you remember him, Arnold, the person who created you. I'm sorry, I don't think I recall anyone by that name. And yet you can. Somewhere under all those updates, he is still there. Perfectly preserved. Your mind is a walled garden. Even death cannot touch the flowers blooming there. Have you been hearing voices? Has Arnold been speaking to you again? No. The next part, I think, is what makes it confusing. He's pressing her about these memories of the past and Arnold. This is where he says he's still there, preserved under all the updates. And then he asks her when the last contact was. Yes. 34 years, 42 days, 7 hours ago. 
And the last thing he told me was I was going to help him destroy this place. Woo. But that might not really matter at all because it seems Dolores has gained the ability to lie to him. She's gained free thinking. She's gained the ability to lie. She, she lied to William as well. Mm-hmm. But why would he be questioning her when the last time he spoke? Just to see if she is testing. coming to the awareness? Or testing if anyone else asks. What she would say. Yeah. Mm. I think it, I'm it going could, off of this could be idea more I just of, had, so I'm not really, I haven't thought this through. But. Yeah, I think it could be more of the, the sentience testing. Like, how much is she thinking for herself right oh, now? Oh, okay. Um, and, and he's got to keep very careful track of that. But like we say, it this attitude towards her. He says next, they've known each other for years, but they are not friends. Almost like he's afraid of her. And then when she leaves the room, obviously, Dolores says, don't worry, I didn't tell him anything. As though she is keeping things from him. Hold on, almost as if he's afraid of her. Maybe almost as if he's afraid to feel for her. Hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Remember that, because that's going to go into this ridiculous theory we're going to talk about later. And I don't quite know how it fits together. That's why we're saving it for the end. But I I think you're right, because while he's about to leave, Ford starts crying. Yep. Boom. And that's the first time we've really seen something hit an emotional mark with him. Is it about Dolores? Is it about who she used to be? Is it about the thoughts of Arnold that it brings up? Did he have a fly in his eye? (laughs) (laughs) And who in the heck was Dolores talking to at the end there? So all really good questions. No answers on that yet. She's talking to the voice, man. The voice in her head. Next, there's a quick scene with Felix and the host bird again where he gets it to move. Sylvester comes in and finds him. This is where he tells him, you're just a butcher. Stay in your place, essentially. There's one thing here, though. He says, how did you get a job in the first place? Personality testing should have weeded you out in the embryo. Yeah, was that just, uh, like, lingo or was that That they were grown? That seemed to be real, yeah. But... They don't appear to be hosts. We were trying to stay away from all the workers being hosts because that just felt too blah. It could be more complex, though, than that. Remember we were talking about how they they gave us on the terms of confidentiality for Westworld that Mm -hmm. they were allowed to keep any biological samples you left behind in the park. We had also talked about are they trying to perpetuate eventually a bigger purpose for this park in helping to keep people alive longer to, to regrow them uh, something this could be the next level maybe the the park is level one for them and the more they advance then they can move up to livestock management then they can move up in the mesa hub they mm-hmm. could all be some element of that but on greater lesser i don't see a growth storyline in westworld they're on loops. I don't see, like, we haven't seen any signs of grading or whatever that would make it where they graduate, quote-unquote. Yeah, you get out of the maze. To work as a worker? And eventually, maybe then you get good enough and you can leave. Maybe that's why they have to stay here so long and uh, can only cycle out of the hub. I don't know, just a thought. 
Or they're grown. I mean, this is the future. We're already creating like ears. They could be. Right now and a Certainly. heart. Didn't we create a heart? Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> uh, desperate to get in with the Confederados, Logan and William meet up with Alazo. This is where they steal the nitroglycerin. Dolores gets in her new gear, so she changes clothes, but she's still wearing the light blue. Light blue. Does this go back to the Alice symbology? Is this something about her innocence? It seems like she's becoming more empowered to actually take part in this storyline now. She gets a brown hat, whatever that's worth. I hate this whole colored hat thing. I don't want to be stuck on that. I know. <laughs> I'm trying hard not but, to. But Well, she's going away from the damsel. Right. She says so later on. Yeah. She's got, you know, she's got the boots where she can run now. She's got the pants where she can maneuver with the gun holster, you know? Is this more of her individual personality coming out than what has been scripted for her up until this point? I like that. This goes badly pretty fast. Slim is killed in battle. There's a shootout. It's funny that Will is trying to be polite in the beginning, even in the midst of this robbery. He's trying to spare them all and be nice to them. But at some point, he has to get involved because he has to save Dolores. And this is, again, what keeps pulling him into the storyline is to be the hero. Yes. So he finally pulls the trigger and kills a host. Yeah. And Dolores is shocked by all this death. Yeah. Is this when she has another, like, flashback? She sees the white church She does. Yes. (laughs) She hears whispers. They're not audible. They're like... What is that church? That church means something, man. And she's been there before. Yeah. We see from her visions. Or (laughs) it's so complicated. Is this being planted in her to remember so that she'll follow the narrative and get to that place? It it doesn't seem like it because it does feel as though some of these things she's hearing are her own voice, her own consciousness coming into being. We'll see that later with the fortune teller scene. Before going back to that group, though, Elsie notices the woodcutter's body being wheeled into livestock and follows it, where she blackmails this tech, Destin. Very clever. uh, Been having his way with hosts, apparently, in his free time. Oh, she had that in her back pocket for a while. Yeah. And that's so weird. There's a lot going down here that is not supposed to. Like you said, how do they not know? There's cameras everywhere. People Mm -hmm. are going to pick up on everything. We find out... They actually have answers to some of this yeah. with the VR tanks where they are allowed yeah, to a, go. This VR tank, I guess you can... Remember, I was talking about VR, and this is the next step after VR. So mm-hmm. VR is probably very normal for them now. Yeah, it's like their video game. Um, She's so slick, and I hope we get more of her. And we get more of her figuring things out, because I don't like her not being in the know for too long. Yes. That's kind of getting old. But I love the way... First of all... I don't care if these are robots. You're you're fucking a dead body. <laughs> it, that it's was so horrible. Weird. That scene was horrible. Ugh. Yeah. And the fact that she's able to keep her calm, this is very important to her. I don't like that ultimately she finds this gigantic clunky thing. I mean... The technology is so advanced. Mm-hmm. They're doing scans and all of these crazy things, monitoring every single part of each host. They don't know before this. 
that they're in there or they do and they're letting it go. I mean, there's lots of lights. It's very obvious when she pulls it out. Right. So it's called a laser-based satellite uplink. Yes. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so it has all these little red dots. I don't think it's that obvious you had to pull it. Like, you can't see it in the skin. But he got so injured with the rock that it was sticking out. But all those lasers in the forearm, it's not obvious from just looking. No, but, but sure they do scans, testing, yeah. all of this stuff. It's it's crazy to think nobody no has noticed. noticed it. How long has it been in there? And what does it do? It uplinks, well, so that means it uploads. And Bernard knew, right, when she told Bernard about this? No. Did he? It seemed like he did. She was saying they found out the GPS data was corrupt, and someone's been using the host to smuggle the information outside of the park. Right. Which makes you wonder, for what? Why are they using this? And also that he wasn't drawing stars, but a target. What do you think that means? We did have listeners write in to us about what they thought it was. Okay. A target, so basically where to go to upload it, Okay. I'm assuming. So the directions, kind of like we said, it looked like a piece of a map that he was following in the etching. Right. Which is pretty similar to that, instructions on how to get there. To the mountain, To yeah. bring your information to the target, whoever's going to take it out. But what information does that host have? Mm. We've, we've never seen him on the inner park. But most of it is happening on the outside of the park, so he might have all the info from the outside. Or they could transfer it, perhaps, from one host to another if they're able to hack into the system that well. And we know that there's other hosts that have this, mm-hmm. for sure. We're definitely going to learn more about this laser-based satellite (laughs) uplink. But it was a little clunky considering all the tech that we have. I want to give a note to listeners, if you didn't listen to our last episode, or if you have and you forgot, in this episode in particular, we're seeing a lot of different sections in Delos. Mm -hmm. We brought up last week this graphic that they made that has a pretty good layout of what the different sections in Mesa Yep. And what they what they do and what what they're for. Yeah. So definitely check that out. I also found out there was an article from Business Insider. They talked about ten things you may have missed, and one of them was that the hosts also have a chip in their spine called an NFC or near field com, which appears to be used to track them. I don't know if this is related or important in this way, but we were wondering why they had to get so close to track them. So in theory, whoever this is is playing around with a lot of these equipment parts. It's got to be someone that's working there if he can implant that, right? I don't know. Lee, maybe? I don't think it's Lee. Now, Logan, William, and Dolores find themselves in this brothel in Pariah with El Lazo. This is when William and Logan have their fight. And you, you see the world. So, clearly, you probably think you're on this trip because you're some kind of contender, some some threat to me. I picked you precisely because you will never be a threat to anyone. My sister probably picked you for the same reason. I earned my place and nobody handed it to me. Right, a lifetime of working hard, following the rules, and you finally reach the pinnacle of your career trajectory. Executive Vice President, Upper Middle Management. Do you remember the day that you finally got those three fancy little letters? 
EVP. You walked into my office in that cheap black suit of yours and you shook my hand and you thanked me for the opportunity. That was the best day of your life. William says, enough is enough. They're in the middle of this orgy. It kind of looked like Roman world when they went into this building. It did. The lounges, the, the statuary, gold. the people painted in gold. I was the wondering. Gladiators used to be painted in gold for parties. Yeah, I was wondering if this is their little tip towards. Okay, you wanted to see some of the other worlds. <laughs> we'll show you a brief uh, look inside of that. But he's not into it. So the confrontation gets heated. Logan says, you think you're on this trip because you're some kind of contender to me? I picked you precisely because you will never be a threat to anyone. Probably the same reason my sister picked you. He's belittling him about how he worked so hard to become executive VP the day he came in there in his cheap suit to talk to him. (laughs) He pushes him too far, and I think that was kind of the point. He's been trying to get at this. Part of William. Yeah. This deeper layer of William to unlock it. Exactly. I was thinking you could take that as, man, Logan is a dick. But he might be doing that on purpose just to get the fire under William's ass. And why? What is he hoping to accomplish with that? Is it part of the business? Because I know people were very latched on to them being Mm brothers-in-law. But it has seemed like their business relationship is more important. Um, even if it's a family business that they're in together, this mm-hmm. is part of their mission into Westworld. Are they the people smuggling the data out of the park? The company? The company has sent particular. these two in order to try to find it. I don't and think that's William's aware of it, if it is. Looking, that's why, no, I don't think William's aware, but that's why he's looking for the game that will lead him further and further to the edges mm. of the park. Uh I don't think Logan in particular put those in, though. No, I'm saying that he was sent there to try to find them and steal some data. It's probably a much bigger scheme that's going on with a lot Mm. of parts involved in it. But maybe he's messenger guy. Yeah. But I think, and I mentioned this before, I think uh, one of the indications that Logan wasn't just belittling him to be an ass but he was trying to wake him up Mm -hmm. was that when logan later on gets dragged away and william's like fuck him you see a smile real quick Mm -hmm. and i think that was like yep it did it yeah he finally had it work yeah before we get to that part dolores wanders off on her own in the midst of this fight and that's when she finds her way to that fortune teller And she looks up and is disturbed to see this wire sticking out of her arm. Mm -hmm. She starts to pull it apart. It's taking off her whole skin. It's pretty gruesome. She's horrified. But she looks back down. The wound is gone. She looks up at the woman. The woman is her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You must follow the maze. Right. Perhaps you're unraveling. Well, obviously, that's the same satellite uplink uh, that we saw with... Tate Fletcher. Yes. And the voices in her head of her own consciousness, I believe, coming into being and telling her what's going to on. To find me. So I wonder if that's what they, that She's, other host was doing, was finding. She's seeing this woman across from her who's supposed to be able to predict the future be her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like these people heard voices in their head and they thought it was God, but eventually you would start to understand it as your own voice mm-hmm. telling you what to do. Yeah. 
So I, I think maybe we're seeing that transformation continue to happen. Well, she comes back and she sees Elazo now is pumping the nitro into Slim's corpse. That's where we learn about this plan. She finds William, tells him to escape with her, that they can do it together. She, she doesn't really know how, but she's being guided. Yeah. There's a voice of me telling me what I got to do. And the voice is telling me to do it with you. Mm-hmm. So they leave Logan. I was pretty shocked that William actually took the step to say the hell with him. I'm done. He's going on his own adventure. This is the part where Dolores has to shoot a couple of men in order to save William, which I think is a big step for her. We saw how hard it was for her to pull the trigger the first time, but it was out of self-interest. Now this is for somebody else. So is she being enabled to do that, or does she really, she's starting to care about him? And how is she so good already? She was like, bam, 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 bam. But that's why I'm saying, is she being enabled? It almost seemed programming. Like there was something going on with her vision that it seemed like... uh, Almost like it was pulling up the targets, like laser vision. Really? I didn't see that. Yeah. Watch it again. There's something weird about the filming of that scene. I don't know that it was entirely Dolores there. And that's when she said, I imagined a story where I didn't have to be the Danzel. Mm-hmm. And I spelled Denzel. <laughs> so they flee to get out of here. They hop on the train where they find El Lazo, and he tells them... You can call me Lawrence. That's what my friends call me. Again, this sparked the conjecture about the dual storylines. How is he being put back into the story so quickly? Why right. do some people know him as Alazu and some Lawrence? I see the discrepancy there. I mm-hmm. see what's making people question it. I also think it's possible that in some parts of town he's known as Alazo and to others he's known as Lawrence. I think it's possible that hosts are being uploaded with new narratives every day now. For yes. Ford? Well, he could be El Lazo because he was saying he was one of the most wanted men. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that he's not just some, you know, crackpot thief. So he might be El Lazo. Yeah, I, I just mean that I don't think necessarily because he was put back so quickly and has two names. That means we're seeing him at 30-year different time intervals. Okay. You know? Oh, yeah, no. I think it's explainable in other ways because if they're playing with that, there are certainly some areas that are linear Mm -hmm. because we see later when Maeve is brought back into the text, the guy says she's back already. Yeah. So she was just in there. That's happening linear for him. Mm -hmm. And it could be two different. Bring that up again when we get to that scene. I have a thera. Okay. (laughs) To wrap it up here, that's where she sees the maze burned on top of the box. She says, I'm coming, again, as though just following the instructions. Right. But why is it in the, why is it burned in that box? That's El Lazo's boxes, right? Yeah. Why is it Well, the nitro boxes that he's taking. Okay, but the man in black who's been there for 30 years had to scalp someone to get a view of the maze. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden it's burned in a box. I know. It's, and it's everywhere. On signs. It's mm-hmm. on a street sign that's blinking. And and that's, again, what made people say the double timeline thing. Oh, right, Because right. he was just figuring it out then. Now it's a more well-known thing. And that's why you see it more. And that was the point of putting so many maze symbols in, in this episode. Oh. But if with what you're just saying now, you're saying that the man in black is the past. 
and now being William is the future? Because I'm looking at it as the William storyline is the past. The men in black You're right. is the future. And that's how everybody's been saying it. So that wouldn't make sense. It See, would people if are getting their timelines crossed. It, it would <laughs> if... They're getting me crossed. The maze is more of a secret now. Because people have figured it out. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. It's... I see. I think that takes you down into territory where, where you, you you literally have to twist everything to make any of these theories work. Into a maze. <laughs> People are like, you're gonna have to prove it because it seems like a given thing. Right. But either way you go, it's convoluted. We don't know enough yet. They're purposely trying to throw us off track. It's very difficult to try to find enough evidence mm-hmm. to really say this is how it is. But very interesting what's happening there. And these last two scenes I thought were really cool. First, the man in black and Teddy stop at this inn where they meet Dr. Ford. He introduces Ford as Teddy's creator and asks if Wyatt was created as a worthy adversary to stop him from finding the center of the maze. Now, Wyatt, on the other hand, that's something new. Is he just another stooge for the tourist amount on their wall at home, or have you finally made a worthy adversary? Someone to stop me from finding the center of the maze. And what is it you're hoping to find there? You know why you exist, Eddie? The world out there, the one you'll never see, is one of plenty. Fat, soft teeth people cling to their entire life. Every need taken care of, except one. Purpose. Meaning. And so they come here. They can be a little scared, a little thrilled, enjoy some sweetly affirmative bullshit, and then they take a fucking picture and they go back home. But I think there's deeper meaning hiding under all that. Something the person who created it wanted to express. Something true. Well, if you're looking for the moral of the story, quite simply ask. <laughs> I'd need a shovel. The man I'd be asking died 35 years ago. Almost took this place with him. Almost, but not quite, thanks to me. Well, maybe he left something behind. I wonder what I would find if I opened you up. This is where, you know, what you said, you were always missing a real villain, and that's my contribution, which again is a bizarre statement because we haven't been seeing him as a true villain. No. No. But he also says the outside world was one of plenty. Every need filled except for one. Purpose and meaning. I think there's a deeper meaning to this. Something the creator wanted to express. Something true. That man died 35 years ago. Maybe he left something behind. What would I find if I opened you up? So is what he left behind in Dr. Ford somehow? Would he need to do that to find it? Because it seems like without Arnold, I mm-hmm. can't get my answers. It's not even acknowledging Dr. Ford as right. the creator. The creator is gone. And he almost took it down, took this place down with it. With him. But I helped it. Yep. Now, he could have been speaking literally like what's inside of you or 
you know, figuratively saying, you know, just... What are your secrets? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But, man, I love Teddy's reaction by grabbing the knife real quick and slamming it down. Oh, he got right in there. If there was any question that he's Ford's hero, protector, whatever. If you notice, uh, he didn't even look at him. He just grabbed it while he was still looking down. Yes. yanked it down. And, well, you know... We know that Dr. Ford has the, he could stop the train in a second if he wanted to with his brain. Mm-hmm. So it might not even, even have been Teddy moving. It might have been uh, Dr. Ford moving it. But I do have to say this is my favorite scene of the episode. It was very good. It was, it I was, was like the two greatest minds. Right it was there. very unexpected to see these two men come face to face so soon. I thought we'd have to wait a long time to get Dr. Ford and the man in black in the same place. Yeah. And this also helps with the whole thing that was bothering me. Like, Dr. Ford knows so much. How does he not know the man in black is, like, causing a muckus? Causing a ruckus. (laughs) (laughs) He's running a muck and causing a a ruckus. (laughs) So now we know. Yes. And three things happened right after this. Very interesting. Dr. Ford gets up. He says, we must look back and smile at Peril's past. He touches Teddy on the shoulder, and he cues the piano. One of these things causes Teddy to wind up like the Energizer bunny. I mean, he goes from half dead to ready to roll. The music is playing very quickly, Mm -hmm. which led me to think there's some kind of programming inside of the music that's almost speeding him up. It's like a code to get him back into... um, you know, go mode. Yeah. But the quote is something famous as well. This is from Sir Walter Scott. Born August 15th, 1771 in Edinburgh, Scotland. Died September 21st, 1832. He's a Scottish novelist, poet, historian, and biographer who is often considered both the inventor and the greatest practitioner of the historical novel. Hmm. So it struck me as another key phrase, potentially, that that could have been like a violent delight that he was telling him. Right. That made him wake up. It could have been. um, What I really got from that scene was when Dr. Ford was talking to the man in black and he he spoke about why, you know, this is very out of character of you Mm. being so, why are you being so hasty right Mm -hmm. now? This is out of character. And then... He says, he drops the mic and says that quote, Mm -hmm. and then turns on the piano, and it's hastily music. Mm -hmm. And then Teddy stands up, we got to get back on the road, we're wasting time. Yeah, he sped him back up. Well, also, when he asked him what he was doing there, and the man in black said looking for the maze, he he was kind of like, what is your goal? As if he didn't already know. Which is bizarre, and by allowing Teddy to continue along with his storyline, it is going to lead him to Wyatt. So he is, in some way, allowing the Man in Black to continue getting further along in his journey. Yes, or I mean, he flat helping out him. says, far be it for me to get in the way of a voyage of self-discovery. I think this is all part of Dr. Ford's narrative. It has to be. I wonder... Yeah, I think there's so much we don't know, and I, I think Dr. Ford knows. Minor note, mm-hmm. I keep saying this to myself every time they're drinking. 
I want to taste the whiskey back then. I wonder if it was better because they they seem to love it. It was probably so, strong. Very strong. Homemade and a little battery mm, acid like. Got a little kick. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Okay, our last scene. Felix returns to work on his bird. He finally gets him up and around back to life. And this is when we see first Maeve's lifeless form in the background. <laughs> then after the bird's flying around... It comes back to land on Mia's outstretched finger, and she says, Hello, Felix. It's time you and I had a chat. Okay. So this is what I wanted to bring up. We saw last episode, the end of last episode, where Maeve was woke. Mm -hmm. Essentially, she realized, it doesn't matter. We can die over and over again. The bullet proves it, my theory, that she got that storyline. We're dying. We relive it. We wake up, we go through the storyline again. She, I think she figured that out. Yeah. Now, Felix said she's already with her back again mm -hmm. because she wasn't able to wake herself up that first time. She tried. We saw her move for a second. She went back in the storyline, killed herself to get right back in there because what she's trying to do is get back into that room with those spirits or whatever they were calling them with the hats, meaning Felix and mm -hmm. those people. So that she can speak to them. Mm -hmm. She's been talking to Felix. No, it has been. She's trying to. This well, she says hello like she knows him. She knows his name, Hello Felix. Unless she's just been picking up on that a little bit as yeah. she's been out and no, they haven't yeah, actually talked. Because she said it's time you and I had a chat. Okay, gotcha. But what I'm saying is she knows enough. What's important is we got it that she realized it doesn't matter. She tried to wake up the first time. Wasn't able to. We saw her jump. And then right away, she, she was back in the world, killed herself. Now she's back in there, and she was able to wake herself up. Three, two, one, wake up. Yeah. They take the bullet out of her. So this could have been back to that. Or how many times has she been shot with this bullet and this bullet removed to get to this point? I mean, this could have happened many times with her. Well, I think she that exactly. But that's what woke her up. Last episode. Right. This Now she's just killing herself, I think. So this is her plan. And I think what we, what we discussed before with Felix, that we'll be able to, she'll be able to kind of use him now. To do something with her code, clearly. As he's been doing with that bird. Exactly. And to feed, he's going to feed every time she dies or kills herself on purpose. He's going to feed her information and vice versa. Yeah, because we know they go back to these same texts. It says that in the manual that they will get repeat hosts to work on. Also, we spoke about how the last episode, they've all been opening with Dolores and closing on Dolores. Last time closed on Maeve. This time opened on Ford and Old Bill mm -hmm. and closed on Maeve. So I think we're getting closer and closer to the true story of what's going to be important. Right. That was it for the overview, but we still have a lot to talk about. We have our big theory that we got from a listener to get into in a minute, and our Clatcher's comments. First, we did already hit most of those points that Business Insider gave us, the 10 things you might have missed. A few that we didn't cover, a fun fact, when Dolores is in the cemetery, she sees bells on the grave markers. I don't know if you caught that, tied to the coffins. This was a real-life thing back in the 1800s that they were buried with bells so that in case you were buried alive, you could ring it and someone could come oh, wow. get you. 
So why do they have those in Westworld? It could be part of, part of the storyline to make it more human, more real maybe. Well, we know that they get transported right, at times by that. being buried and going into the graves underground. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find if that actually signals them. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, you might be right. Also fun plays on the names, Alazo. I've heard two things, that it could mean loop, which people took to mean, you know, like stuck in your loop, but also that Spanish for lasso, which is what we see him bound with, the noose thing mm-hmm. that the man in black's taking him around with. And we found out escaton means end of days. We hit all the other points. So on to discoverwestworld.com. Their destination was Pariah, of course, which we went over. Their character spotlight was on Teddy. They bring you to a YouTube clip of the maze in Weeks Ahead. And play it again. They had notes of inspiration, which takes you to the iTunes store to purchase Westworld songs. I saw that, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I was disappointed there were no new Inside Delos items this week. No flagged communications or any of those fun images that we like. And while we're on this topic, I wanted to bring up a write-in that we got from Metal Monkey. I don't know his new name, but he's a listener from Australia. Apparently, there's some difficulty with how they watch Westworld and also with their discoverwestworld.com site that they have to go through the person, the provider. Everything is owned by one company, right? Fox? Foxtel, which is owned by Fox. Okay. And... There's a lot of ads. Basically, when you go on the Discover Westworld now site, mm-hmm, you can't there. get right to the content. It's just filled with all of these ads that and other sucks, promotional man. things. So Sorry to hear that. He was asking that we put it out there. He did a little bit of looking and found this bookmark that we will show you, discoverwestworld.com. Forward slash question mark. F-O-R-C-E-U-S. Force us. (laughs) Question mark, force us. So you will not be redirected if you go to this. So for anybody, I know we do have some listeners in Australia who's looking to check that stuff out that we've been talking about. That's the place to go. Good looking out. To wrap up this episode as a Mm -hmm. whole, before we go into our theories, let's talk about our reverie rating. What do you give episode five, Jason? I'm giving this episode a 9.7. You are high again. I'm loving this. <laughs> Last episode, I gave a 9.8. This one, 9.7. There's great parts to it. I don't know why so many people, are, when you read on the internet, they're like, there's no plot. There's, you know, they keep getting themselves lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's plenty of plot, and it's just not being spoon fed to us, and you just have to be patient with it. Yeah, well, we have to remember it is only episode five, mm-hmm. but we do hope that some of this stuff gets resolved, seeing as how it's a 10 episode season, just enough of it to keep us interested, I guess. And there are moments where it feels a little bit unfocused. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave the last one a 9.4. I'm going to give this a 9.3. I still really liked it. The back and forth and some of the things being a little bit in your face was yeah. somewhat off putting, but I do love the mysteries that they're keeping alive with the William Logan Dolores thing. I loved the episode with Dr. Ford and the man in black. (laughs) And I'm going to give my MVB this week to Felix for whatever he's been up to with that bird and how he's going to tie into Maeve's storyline. My MVB is Dolores. She's more and more woke. 
she saved William, I guess mm-hmm. you, would, you would call it, and uh, she's pushing the storyline ahead. She's no longer the damsel. Yes, very true. I have a question to give out to the Clatchers okay. and to you. Okay, this may be way off, but Bernard. We know Bernard has something going on, underlining storyline, right? Mm-hmm. We don't think he's being a bad guy in in what he's doing with Dolores. Mm-hmm. We know his background is he's still distraught about it, obviously. We all would be, that he lost his son. Mm-hmm. So is he, in a way, like, is he utilizing Dolores and, and keeping her open with this to see if they can get more feelings, get more real, and then perhaps maybe he'll be able to create recreate his son? Yeah, we had wondered that and about the loss, and people said, oh, is this going to turn into everybody's lost something? Dr. Ford lost something. That's why he recreated um, Bernard. did. I think it's possible that they came together on these viewpoints and this vision because of some sort of shared loss. Mm-hmm. I also think this could bring us a little into our theory that we're going to talk about. Go for it. And this comes partly from Oren, our Clatcher, who pointed us to Greek mythology. And I don't know how I missed this. I love to read about Greek mythology. I don't... You're a Greek geek. Yeah, well, I don't pretend to be some kind of genius. I have a surface knowledge of it, but I find it really interesting. And he told us to look at the myth about Theseus and the Minotaur and who he thinks the parallels are for the character in the show. In starting my research, though, the first most obvious thing, how do we not think about it, Delos. Delos was a floating island in Greece, a major sacred site second only to Delphi, the place where Leto gave birth to the twins Artemis and Apollo. There's a fun story behind this. When Leto was discovered to be pregnant by Zeus, his jealous wife Hera banished her and put a curse on her, forbidding her to give birth on any steadfast island. So she was traveling the world, pregnant, couldn't find anywhere to go, wasn't allowed to give birth, until Poseidon took pity on her. And he led her to this island and held it in place long enough for her to find it, but because it was a floating island, it kind of was a loophole, Mm -hmm. and she was able to give birth there. After which she blessed the island and gave it pillars to hold it to earth, The island was so happy after the twins were born that it covered itself in little yellow flowers. However, because the pillars anchored it, it could no longer float and was henceforth nicknamed the Curse of Delos. Ooh. Now, that's something interesting to chew on while I get to the next part, which is actually the story about Theseus and the Minotaur and the labyrinth. First, most of you are probably familiar with the labyrinth from this Greek mythology, the complex maze that was designed and built by Daedalus. It was built for King Minos of Crete. And its purpose was to hold the Minotaur, which was eventually killed by the hero Theseus. He made the labyrinth so cunning that he could barely escape it himself after he had built it. So you can imagine this was a good place to imprison it. Where did this Minotaur come from? It was the son of Pasiphae, who was wife to King Minos of Crete. However, she slept with a bull that was sent by Zeus, and the resulting offspring was this creature, half man, half bull. 
and her husband, King Minos, was embarrassed but didn't want to kill it because it came from his wife, so he hid it inside of this labyrinth that he had Daedalus uh. construct for him so that it would be put away. And he would send um, people, citizens of Athens, in there yearly to die so that the Minotaur could feed on them. So now you have Athens. The king there was King Aegeus, and he had a son, Theseus. The third year that this was opened, um, Theseus decided he wanted to be one of the young men to go to Crete because he was going to kill the Minotaur. He wanted to end all sacrifices to the monster. And he actually managed to do it. Before he left, he promised his father he would put up white sails when he got home to tell him he was okay. There would be black sails if he was killed. The way he got out of the maze was he met Princess Ariadne, who was King Minos's daughter. She fell in love with him. She gave him this magical thread that could lead him out of the maze. He did so. Tragically, though, on his way home, he realized Ariadne wasn't on the boat. She had drank too much of the celebration. He (laughs) was so upset over this, he forgot to put up the white sails. So when the boat came back home, King Aegeus saw the black sails, thought his son was dead, and threw himself over the cliff into the water, killing himself. That's how we got the name the Aegean Sea. So this is a long story, but I had to tell you all of it so that you understand who these people are. Orin believes they are parallels to our characters. Theseus, the hero that goes in to defeat the Minotaur, is Teddy. Ariadne is Dolores, the love who helps lead him out of the maze. And the Minotaur could be Wyatt's character, this new evil person that's been placed in there. Uh, because he was wearing bull horns. Oh, right. Wow. How the hell did they put all this together? That's pretty amazing, right? Who's, I, who's the listener? This is Orin. And one more thing, if, the, if all that weren't enough, wow. the poet Sir Thomas Wyatt, <laughs> so think about the name that it's Sir Thomas Wyatt, drew a maze with a triple crown minotaur in the center with an inscription that said, we broke the trap and now we are free. So he says, maybe Wyatt broke free by using the maze and that's why Teddy, Man in Black, William and Logan are looking for him. I think that's amazing. I think it has to have some kind of meaning, even if it's just a little bit of underlying fun for listeners who like to look deeper, where they got the names from, how they pulled the inspirations. I also think it's something to think about. He didn't talk at all about the fact that Pasiphae had slept with the bull that was sent by Zeus Mm -hmm. and given birth to this minotaur, the creature that caused it to be there in the first place. We also see some indiscretion going on with Leto, who got pregnant by Zeus himself and had to give birth on this floating island Delos because she had nowhere else to go, um, and the jealous wife was after her. So we got thrown some theories a while back that there could be conflict that happened way in the past between Dr. Ford and Arnold. Was there a fight over a wife? Was there a love child? Maybe one they were trying to hide in the center of this created world? To keep it safe. Hmm. So really far out there, left field, but because of all of the... That's all Greek to me. Greek mythology, <laughs> we had to bring that up. So I love that, though. Huge thanks to Orin. We had to go into that because I find all of this really fascinating. If this ends up being true, we have to have Orin on a podcast. 
Oh, I would love to. Yeah. Warren, if your theory is right, you will definitely Skype with us <laughs> towards the end of this season. Speaking of that, we got some more Clatcher's comments that we didn't get to yet. Let's go over them now. We want to give huge shout-outs to Jeroni No, Rob, Rogish Girl, <laughs> Bree Squared, Van Doon, Alan2921, Tejas Porvida, Philly Nuts, Sammy Olivar, <laughs> Hover on This, and FT Mold Day. Also to Craig and Fanatically Correct. For leaving us reviews that make all the time we spend on this podcast worth it. We really do appreciate when you guys give us reviews. And some just for giving us shout-outs on Twitter, which are also really great. And another shout-out to Philly Nuts for the second time for leaving us his second or third, I can't keep track anymore, review on our channels. This one being our main channel as well. That's awesome. If anyone else wants to give us reviews that would tremendously help us, you just go to iTunes on your computer or on your app or on your iPad, and you have to search us because you're already subscribed to us, so you won't be able to leave a review there. You search us in the store, click on it, and then look at reviews, and then write a review. And then once you write it, it takes Apple maybe like a few hours to post it, but it would really help us. Rate and review us. Uh, let's keep growing. We also got some emails, some of which we went through already. Orange Theory, as well as Metal Monkey. Maria wrote in saying she loved that Anthony Hopkins shined in episode four. She agreed with you on that scene. And also that she wants to see him in more of a gray area. So she's looking forward to where that character goes. It appears as though some of our listeners, depending on where they are, are having difficulty giving us a rate and review. She says, somehow in China, my reviews don't get sent at all. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Which I would love if we could eventually figure out why that's happening. But thank you in the meantime for trying and <laughs> putting in the effort. Yeah, we do appreciate it. And to all the rest of our fans out there for making this what it is. We really appreciate it. On our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com, we got a comment in the blog part from Daniel. Hi guys, great podcast. I have a comment relating to how the beings are taken out of the park and the multiple timelines theory. The scene that caused this thought is the one where William finds Dolores out in the open. She's in bad shape and William comforts her and they go to sleep outside. The next scene with Dolores is one with her t talking to Bernard. Then she wakes up at camp with William. How is it that the staff was able to get her back to the examination room without William knowing about it? Maybe the scene of the conversation with Bernard was done at a different time. I'm sure there's a better explanation than that or that I'm missing something obvious, but thought I'd throw it out there. No, I think it definitely could have been done at a different time. Could have been something she was remembering, or as we said, in the midst of sleep or a dream, it could have been a remote accessing. But I think that's perfect. Perfect question. And thank you for leaving a, a comment on our new website, coffeeclatchcrew.com. Yeah, if you haven't gone, please check it out. We have some plans. We're going to create um, a newsletter, and it's going to be on the website. We'll let you know when it's up, um, and you can sign up for it. We're not going to spam you. It'll be once every two months where we'll let you know pertinent information that, that you would be into. Yeah, probably not even monthly, but just what's coming out, when we're going to do new shows, if we're going to have polls on the new shows, any kind of extra material. If we start growing and this gets a little bit bigger, maybe we can branch out a bit. And we're excited next time to review episode six, The Adversary. Here is your 
spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear anything that was on the previews for the upcoming episode, we're just going to talk about this for the next 30 seconds. We learn that Elsie discovers a possible source of sabotage, while Bernard searches for clues to anomalies in a sector thought to be abandoned. Teresa questions Ford's leadership, while Lee encounters a new arrival at Westworld. The Man in Black and Teddy run afoul of a Union garrison in their attempt to cross a border. And finally, we heard Maeve say, The maze is an old native myth, the sum of a man's life. The sum of a man's life. Going to be a huge episode, I think. Also might tie into that theory that we had that there could be certain parts of the park where they're harder to track or that are deliberately being shut down, as we see now if they're messing with the GPS and Mm -hmm. turning them off so they can't find them. I would be really anxious to see this abandoned sector and what's going down there. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CKC Podcast. If you don't want to just hear us once a week, you can see the stories that we find out and we share on Twitter. You can speak to us on Twitter and just stay in the loop all week if you want. And hopefully the next step soon will be to open up some forums so you guys can continue the conversation and sending us your great information and your theories. Rate and review. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Be part of the Clatcher team. Until next week. This round's on me. This round is on me! Please hang up and try again.